So recently, so recently we had the episode where we talked about interviewing. Yes, I listened to that one. In response to that episode, we got at least one person kind of tweeting at us to be to say like like you made it sound really difficult. Maybe I won't like maybe I won't try and do this. And I was like, don't let it don't let it stop you. Like you know, there are plenty of places yeah. that will hire you that aren't that. Yeah. So I I thought that, and I did kind of mention last week a little bit in response to that about how like I started by, so I my first job was in the public service, and I got the job there through a mate of mine, kind of. Hang on, it wasn't at the public service there. Yeah, yeah but didn't he that got, mean you got the job through going through ten interviews where you were asked what if you so were no, a vegetable? I, the, my what kind first, of my first be? set of interviews was not like that. My first set of interviews was like. I mean, I didn't get asked any programming questions, which was probably good because I I hadn't, like, at that point, I hadn't even done, like, proper full-time development work. I'd only ever done stuff in my, you know, on my home computer in my bedroom or whatever. And so, like, I was pretty good, but I hadn't, like, didn't have anything to show for it. So it was good that I didn't have to do any sort of, like, here's what I've done and here's how good I am and, yes, I know what Big O is. <laughs> But I, yeah, I, he got he got me into the interviews, and then I did these interviews, and that was basically just like, how good are you at working in a team? How real good? good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm real good. How how are you at like managing your own workload and stuff like that? Like so just good. stuff that's just like so super generic, which is the public service. That's how yeah. you get into the public service. I actually think that makes some like a lot of sense. So I think some jobs people are interviewing based on the knowledge you have or even the current skills you have, whereas other jobs are interviewing based on the person you are. And they sort of say, we want good people. Yeah. And we want good people for a long time. And over that time, you're likely to need lots of knowledge that you don't already have, and you're likely to need to learn to do skills you don't yet know. Mm. But if you're a decent person, you're probably capable of doing those things. Whereas I I feel frustrated in so much short-term thinking in some IT roles where it's like, unless you have this particular skill currently, then we won't even consider you for the role because it's just so silly. Yeah. I mean, and it's it, it makes it really difficult for people who aren't skilled in like the exact criteria to get work. Like, hmm. I mean, if you've come out of, if you've just come out of university or if you're not university trained and you just want to, like you want to get into a job so you can get more experience other than like, I built this stuff for myself. Um, in my spare time after my you know, retail job, it makes it really difficult. Like you, that, that there is no way. Like I wouldn't have made it even past the first round of interviews for Goobook Twickle at that time. Like it's only after X number of years of a working in like in different place in actual different companies, like the public service, like the design studio that I worked in, doing stuff for myself, doing freelance work over many years, you know, releasing gift wrapped and all that sort of stuff like those are the reasons now after so much years of experience of doing stuff that i could even have a slight chance of getting into that like into that role Mm. even though i didn't i like that's the only reason that i did so i mean it's it's one of those things like i don't necessarily know that you have to be concerned about whether or not you're good enough for an interview process to get through an interview process because there's plenty of places that will take you based on like who you are as a person or, um, you know, you have, you, you seem to be doing pretty well. So like, and we kind of need somebody with your rough skill set, and we'll do some on the job training for the stuff where you're not like quite there or 
whatever, and you know, we'll go for it. Hmm. Yeah. So, hello and welcome to Mobile Couch. This is episode number ninety-eight, the final episode, and today we have Jake. Hi. He has returned from I don't know the dead uh, parent parenthood something. <laughs> I'm still here too. Oh, hi Ben. <laughs> what are you do- What are you doing? Are you here? Um, not really. I'm just gonna chill out for this one i think oh, okay cool swing on my chair that, i mean was, on the couch that was going to be my strategy <laughs> so so how how did you get into programming jake that's a, how that's a very good question well i mean how, how did you get started like what how, was your first how far back do we want to go well, what was your first far programming back. job no uh, no further than that for further than my first programming job yeah um the first code i wrote oh wow okay yeah no that's where we started was in primary school um my school had some bbc microcomputers Wow, BBC awesome. microcomputers, wow. Yep. Um, they didn't do much. They had basic on them. Uh, and if you wanted them to do something, you'd sit down and go, 10, print, hello, 20, I can't even remember, something to accept input. Um, and so I used to spend kind of like uh, lunch and recess hanging out in the computer room trying to get it like to make a computer game. Mm. But I didn't know anything about like loops or conditionals mm. or flow control or subroutines that so was the big step my, my games were pretty lame but i could change the color of the text <laughs> so I, used to do nice. <laughs> I used to write qbasic on microsoft computers i don't know if that's any different i think it is uh, i think i think it's slightly different but it's the same but you know it's like it's like how you know Windows is the same as is like OS ten or Mac OS or whatever you want to call it now. But it's not really, or it wasn't like you know they, they had a lot of similarities. I used to be obsessed with like drawing lines, like yeah. wow. to make that a picture. Too. See that that was advanced. That wasn't until like way years down the track that I then started using uh was it logo? Yeah, had a little wow. turtle. That you was turtle to, programming. Yeah. yeah, you had to tell it to move ten steps forward and then turn. And then move, and you could draw pictures. Yep. Left behind a little line. Oh, right. So, that was your first program. How did you? What was your first programming job? How many years later was it <laughs> that I had my first programming job? Um, so I didn't know that I wanted to be a programmer. My first job after finishing school, uh, I went finished school and got a job as a graphic artist. Right. Uh, I thought that I might want to be a filmmaker. And I didn't get high enough marks to get into film school. So I thought, okay, I'm going to take a year off and do some more study and try and get into film school again the following year. Um, and while I had that year off, I was working as a graphic artist. And I guess my job was pretty boring. Yep. And there was a lot of repetitive tasks I had to do over and over again. So I ended up finding myself writing Apple Script to try and automate the boring bits. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, and then part of the way through that year, I thought, hang on, this computer stuff is actually really interesting. And um, by the end of the year, I realized I'd spent very little time thinking of films that I might want to make, and I'd spent increasingly more time messing around with getting the computers to do stuff. Yeah. So I enrolled in a um, a double degree, hedged my bets, did computer science and arts, and um, yeah, decided that the computer thing was of more interest in the end. Nice. Yeah. So I guess first programming job, like when I was actually qualified to do it, um, was straight out of uni uh, working for the prisons department in South Australia. 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> Were you in charge of writing the thing that locks the door? <laughs> yes, I was. That's one, that's one of those life or death things that we were yeah. mentioning last episode. No, I was not. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a good thing. <laughs> no, I actually, um, my official title was Web and Data Warehouse Support Officer. That's nice. A cl- which, classy title. Yeah. It's big. I don't think it was meant to involve much programming. Um, I, huh. I looked after databases. I ran some ad hoc SQL queries. Yeah, did you write like some real sweet join things? Oh, I wrote some awesome join things. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Terrible at people, those. People came to me with really, it was kind of interesting that the data warehouse was uh, not so much a production database, but a database that would store records from various production systems. So it brought together records from the um, operational system that manages prisons and prisoners with HR systems that to do with like hours of leave and pay and whatever and finance systems to do with like how much money the department was spending and so there'd be people would have these questions like um are there more complaints about prisoners behaving badly on days where staff are working overtime wow and And you would have to try and for that yeah join the the hr system with the production system to try and see if there was a an increased number of incidents and was there yes there was there was yeah over wow. time, more prisoner incidents. That's amazing. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> really cool. cool. <laughs> it was kind of cool. Database stuff. We used to have, when I was working in the public service, we used to have a guy that just all he did was database stuff. Yeah, it's pretty that common. That's my worst, I guess, subject or I, topic. I couldn't, I couldn't do it in yeah. computer science. I, I didn't mind the relational database stuff. Like I kind of, I, I'd studied that. I understood it. But one of the production system was not a relational database. It was a network database. Oh, I remember seeing that headline in a textbook somewhere. It doesn't mean like a database that exists on the network. No. It's story relating to how the records relate to one another. And it's kind of like a parent-child relationship between all the records. I never understood it. It was running on some weird IBM mainframe. It had been at that point in use for 20 years already oh dear yeah scary i couldn't i couldn't tell you anything about the database that we the database stuff that we did it in the public service because we used oracle not like anything that you would use if you were working on personal stuff it was like full-on oracle mm. enterprise yeah and the, the database guy he used to write entire applications in sql like just just entire things. Yeah, because like, you can and make that was like the... GUIs and stuff, right? I yeah, that. yeah. At least in Microsoft oh, Access, full on. So I'm assuming it's the same thing. Yeah, no, it was full on. But you'd code like this crazy like SQL, like one like query, and it'd be like like you know a document long, yeah. and like you'd create this full on application. Like it was insane, so crazy. How did how did you get started, Ben? I think I actually remember the first time I tried to program yeah i was really young we had some sort of i don't know what technically it was but it was definitely like some sort of dos style computer right so no gui like you type in commands and i got a book out from the library that was like make games on your computer and i just it was assembly i do remember it was assembly i didn't understand that at the time yeah but i would i sat there and typed out this entire like <laughs> oh it's probably 50 pages oh, i'm thinking there's hardly any chance that worked right like what is the chance the book had the actual processor architecture of the computer exactly. you exactly no it didn't work i understand it's all now it didn't even come close to working like i literally typed out 50 pages worth and went what next <laughs> i typed it into like a text editor <laughs> <laughs> sorry that's awesome wow 
And like nothing happened. That shows so, so much commitment and perseverance. Yeah, I really, because I just kept thinking, you know, sunk cost fallacy. I'm so far in, I just got to keep going. What if he like made a typo or something? Oh, I probably made a thousand typos. <laughs> <laughs> Who would know? Oh. Uh, and then, yeah, I did. I don't remember what my first official language was. I also remember a few years later, so we had GUIs by this point, and there was like an IDE of some sort. The one with the gear. What one was that? It was like a Mac one. MetroWorks Code Warrior? I think that's it. Wow. And I think that is a Java IDE or Java... Anyway, I also know that I would. I had this like either JavaScript book and was trying to type it into Java, right. a Java IDE, yep. or the other way around. So that didn't work either. So I had a few false starts. Uh, and then I'm pretty sure I did some basic as well at some point. I definitely did heaps of visual basic. So like in my teens, I was pretty good at visual basic. Yeah. So my equivalent of that was hypercard. Oh, I was I was the king of hypercard. I had some sweet stacks I'm, going. <laughs> I never I never used hypercard. I couldn't afford a Mac when I was a kid. So this was all at school. I didn't I couldn't afford it either. And they actually can't even remember how this happened, but the teacher would let me take the iMac home during the school holidays. Oh wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Full on. Yeah. So I had this iMac I could take home during the holidays and that's where I used to that's how I learned, basically. And then so yeah, I did heaps of visual basic in school. And made a pile of games. I remember I made chess for my year 12 project. It wasn't AI, just like the game two-player chess. See, this is a f- this is the flip of what it is like now because now, like, you used to, like, ship stuff. And I, I would get, like, so obsessed with drawing my lines in, in QBasic that I would never actually finish anything. I would just be like, yes, I drew a house. And I'd never yeah. actually like get anywhere with it. I'm really Whereas good at now, shipping stuff I when ship. it's someone else telling me I have to do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> really good hey, at Jack. that. So, <laughs> so if it's like a school assignment or whatever, yeah, I'll get that thing done. Yeah, okay. But if it's my own stuff and there's no external pressure, there's no chance, almost zero chance I'll finish anything. And then I guess finishing school, I don't know. I never really wanted to be a programmer. I always wanted to be a pilot. But I didn't go to university. I was like, I'll go do engineering at university. So I did robotic engineering. Got halfway through that and went, screw it, I'm going to be a pilot. And I'm going to pay for my flying lessons with my programming. Yeah. So I started to pick up like freelancey things. I made a few websites, swore I'd never make websites again. <laughs> I keep doing that. And then fell into iOS accidentally. Or actually, no, it was C Sharp. So Windows. Fell into Windows um, because someone was like, can you port this Mac app? And I was like, sure, why not? I have no idea what I'm doing. And then that finished, and it was for a Mac company. So they're like, well, we've got number Windows stuff. You do Mac now. And it kind of snowballed from there. And that's, yeah, that's how I got started. And then finished my pilot license, realized, did it for like three months as a pilot, was getting paid minimum wage, and was like, why am I getting paid minimum wage? I was getting paid so much more as a programmer to pay for my flying lessons. So that's what I kept doing. I never wanted to be a programmer either. <laughs> so that's all three of us. <laughs> yeah. No, well, I, live your dreams, kids. <laughs> I, tot- I totally want to be now. I guess the the thing I take from that is I don't know that like there's a there's a final destination, right? Like I just yeah. My career has been following things that I'm interested in. Yeah. Um, and I guess some interests it's harder to find opportunities in, and other interests the opportunities are more apparent. Yeah. But at the same time. I find myself becoming more interested in things where it feels like I'm, I don't know, making progress, making a difference, where it's 
where the work that I'm doing is contributing to something. And so, you know, as as I've had jobs and other jobs, I guess, yeah, it's been more a process of me sort of enjoying what I'm doing and following that in a different direction to where I am now. Don't know that I ever intended to be here or that this is the final destination. Mm. Um, who knows how long I'll keep programming for. Um, well, because my first instinct when I was in school was that I wanted to be a filmmaker, not unlike you. We should, we should, I've got this great script. Have you? No. I've got like a folder of scripts. Like, Let's make a here. movie. That Excellent. can be our next project. <laughs> you were not the actor. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> you uh, you've, got the, you've got the look, but you've <laughs> no. just not. <laughs> Jake's got some acting experience. No, yeah, I know. I know. Have you actually seen it? I've not seen it. Have you uh, seen it? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Good. <laughs> Would recommend. Go um, find it on YouTube. It's but that, don't but, don't go find it. Like <laughs> filmmaking, filmmaking is it. a thing that I studied, right? Like I actually, I actually studied filmmaking, and along with a lot, a lot of other things. Like I, I did a degree, well, kind of did a degree in um in like media, so television, radio, bit of kind of everything to do with media, photography, I guess, and that was kind of what I was studying for, and then. I I ended up what's the word for it where you just leave Drop, dropping out <laughs> dropping out yeah of uni or whatever out of yeah, yeah out of out dropping of the out. out of the course yeah like Steve Jobs I almost dropped out so many times so I just many got times. I just got fed up with the with the people that were running the course they at, at at least at one in one class they were trying to tell me that colors based on light and colors based on like paint or whatever like you know physical whatever RGB was the three primary colors in paint and yellow, red, and green are the colors in light. And I'm like, that, no, yellow. That's yellow, red, and versus... blue. Yeah, additive and. Uh, I can't remember the name of the other one. Ne- negative? D- d- yeah. Subtractive. Yeah. S- something. Anyway. Um, anyway, it's just that's starting the opposite. To like, that's the opposite of what it was. And I was like, yeah, screw <laughs> this, I'm out. See, in my degree, we, we talked about colors, but it was more like, how does the color yellow make you feel? How do you think the filmmaker wanted you to feel? This is an art degree, right? Yeah. <laughs> yellow makes things feel old. That's my yeah, I don't like arty yellow. opinion. <laughs> and I then I got my like then I ended up like leaving and I didn't even go from that into my programming job. I just left and went full time at my retail gig and then ended up going from that into into my programming job. I guess I did like, that too. So next question, how do you feel about the color yellow? About the color yellow. <laughs> how do you I fe- do want to know. <laughs> how do you feel about the color yellow? Uh, how do you feel when you first open a project? Cuz this is kind a of the one? next thing. Well, yeah, like a new project. So like you go, you know, you open Xcode and you go file new project. I love new expect. I love <laughs> new project. Really? I was going to say. Yep. That is Jake's favorite thing. It is my absolute <laughs> favorite thing. I I I would do file new project every day if I could. Why? I like new things. I'm sure. easily distracted by the next new thing. Short attention span. He would make a great JavaScript programmer. He would. <laughs> he would. Or possibly a terrible one. I don't know. There's lots of new things in JavaScript. Yeah, there, there is. Oh, every day. They, they just released a new JavaScript framework. Well, like right just this second. Hang did on. You know that? I'll be right back. I did not know that. They'll probably release another one before the right. episode is done. Right. I have been messing around with Swift on the server. Is that new enough? It's pretty new. I've it's been messing new. around with Swift on the server too. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I haven't actually finished anything. No, I have. I've, I've, I have, there is an endpoint out there that if you hit, if you do a get request, it'll say hello world. I wrote that. 
That's amazing. You are pushing the boundaries. Yep. Um, Sorry, I got distracted. See? See what I was saying? (laughs) Easily distracted. Um, Easily distracted. I don't know. I, I think part of it is the thing that excites me most about programming is the opportunity to solve problems and to identify problems and think about solutions and file a new project is, means I've got a new problem. I can think about a new solution. I can potentially design, try something that I haven't tried before, take a different approach. Also, maintaining existing code. I almost said legacy code. See, that's how I think about it. Like it's, <laughs> it is like this is a universally accepted fact. I think I'm, I don't know who I'm quoting, but it's much much easier to write code than read code. Like, yeah, I think that's probably. I true. think reading code yeah. is like ten Re- times harder than writing. Reading code, code is definitely. Definitely more difficult. Right. And if you do file a new project all the time, you don't have to read any code. This is, you just have to write code. This is true. Yes. Yep. Okay. Um, so I'm only partially joking. Um, I actually find you know, it very satisfying. The, the initial progress on a new app happens much more quickly than taking oh, yeah. an existing app and adding a new feature or even fixing a bug because, yeah, okay. you know. Even just finishing a project. Yeah. Like, it's all eighty percent and twenty percent of the time. Yeah. Do yeah. You, do you not like? Do you like? Yeah, I love new are you projects. The same? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's you, the best. You're For not? the same reason. Oh, I'm pretty definitely much. not. I I always try and do something like I think of my last project. I go, what went well? What didn't go well? What should I try and do better this time? And generally pick one thing. And yeah, I try something new. Um, it's generally a chance to. Try something really new at the start because then you can just throw it out and start again if it didn't work. Yeah, it's great. I, new projects are good. I don't like new things. <laughs> are you I, still coding uh, in assembly? I, no, I, 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 I've never coded in assembly in my life. It's funny. I've been. Go. I, I, I mean, I. It's not that I don't like new things. I do. I do like sometimes. I do like new things, but I like. I like comfortable things. I think. Um, I get comfortable really easily and then I don't want to leave that comfort, right? So I, I, I find myself, I'm much better like working on a project that I know is already kind of like founded than I am like opening up a new project and starting starting fresh because then I know, I know I have to do all these certain things that I have to do over and over again. That I don't want to have to do. <laughs> oh, I've got to design a new icon for this new app. I, oh. I don't like that stuff. <laughs> um, I don't like the design stuff. So I, I mean, I, I do sometimes open file new projects to just work out like new stuff. Like, um, you know, we, we did a few times at Cocoa Heads and really that's the only times I've ever, I, I, I've ever really kind of gone to that extreme. Okay. So, so question, when was the last time you did file a new project? A few weeks ago. And what was it? Oh, that was that's pretty new. So uh, I, because, mostly because I'm, I'm trying to work out a new, my next app. Um, and so I started working on a new project. So I file open new project, um, uh, iOS single view app. Yeah, single view because I d- I don't use any of the other ones because I immediately delete the storyboard. Oh yeah, it's definitely <laughs> like that's that's number one. The very first thing single that I do view is every the, project. That's the only template to use. It's it always... is. I agree that it's the only template to use, but I don't delete the storyboard yet. No, I I know you. You, you may be interested to know my my love of storyboards has been tested, is has... continually tested. Yeah, he's gone. I'm. It's going down. It is going down. Mine too. I wouldn't say there is no love left. I have some love left for storyboards, but it's You know what I've realized? Complex. I think I've said this before. It's it's nibs I like. So like I like the visual layout, dragging yep. the thing on, doing the constraints. I don't like segways. Segways are the worst. Yeah. The, yeah. 
So like nibs, nibs, nibs have just go nibs. That's my new theory. Nibs are also less problematic when it comes to I think the speed of loading them up. Probably. Don't even talk to me about speed. <laughs> hey, you're the you're the one that tried programming on what was it like the 12 inch MacBook? What do you mean tried? That's, that's my main computer <laughs> oh, at the moment. <laughs> oh jeez. Uh, we have a Mac Mini as well. We retrofitted in Mini. the SSD. Like I can. Hardcore. Uh, Mac Mini, I can kind of see working because plenty of people use those as like their bot server or whatever. Oh yeah, we got one of those too. But the twelve-inch MacBook is like yeah, it's the worst. I don't know how he does it. <laughs> I don't know how I do it either. <laughs> what were we talking about? New file, new project. Ben, when, when was the last time you did file, new project? Last week. I do it all the time. Wow. I think. Yeah, but I, I think I did it. You like never three ship days any ago. of them anyway, either. Are you serious? I I'm the best <laughs> shipper there is. Not my own, yeah. but for work stuff, I'm good at shipping. Get oh, yeah. stuff out the door. Yeah. Yep. On time. On time. Good. That's that's. See, so, yeah, I started a new one next week. I think you have hired. to like file a new project if you do client work, because I know some people hate client work, some people love it. Maybe this is what it is. Maybe I, if you don't like new projects, I client work is not of, for you. I think part of it is is that I get struck with the blank canvas thing, um, like too many decisions. Well, yeah. Like I I have the same problem when I'm when I'm when I'm doing illustrations, right? When I'm drawing, like I'll sit down and I've got to figure out my like the first thing is you've got this great big white just blank screen so and you've got you to figure like, out where to go at your reach within reach at your grasp a whole heap of drawings and illustrations you've previously done yes and when you get your new one can't you sort of uh take pieces and go i really liked the hair on that person and i really liked yeah. the no no see that's with with new projects i tend to do that yeah that, same that i do a little bit of that in code yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd, I I think that's what he means. I mean, I have all of my old stuff in code. It's meant to be a metaphor. Yeah, I didn't get the metaphor. Like all <laughs> the best metaphors, it I'm doesn't too, actually work. I'm in too practice. literal, Jake. I'm too literal. <laughs> but maybe not like the you're not copy pasting in old code, but just the way you did it, right? Yeah, I mean, like so the, I'll copy the pa- code in, and then I'll be like, oh well, I need to like obviously this is terrible, so I'll fix that. And by the time I'm done, it's like nothing like what I pasted in, but mm. it's like it gives me the starting point. So yes, I do that in code. But I don't do it in illustration. Okay. Um, bad metaphor. <laughs> no, I just just bad person to use metaphor on. I'm I, I'm just I, I don't know. I'm allergic to new far new project. I do it I do it occasionally, but I don't necessarily enjoy it. I have like if I tend to create my new projects in the same spot on my file system, um, and if you were to look at it, it is it, it's a mess. It's an absolute mess. There are the ratio of new projects that never go beyond like the first day to projects that actually end up shipping. There's vastly more projects that go nowhere. I think that's normal. Maybe one of the things about it is, and uh, th- this is this is straight up because of the difference between the way that, like, well, the work that I do compared to the work that you do. Um, I, I feel a lot, of, um, a lot of pressure to, like, ship something because I've got to, I mean, obviously you feel that as well, right? Like, with because you do client work. But uh, because I work, on my own stuff, literally every second that I'm doing something is potentially money that I'm like that I'm losing. Yep. Um, whereas you are kind of, I guess, paid to start new projects all the time. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, Sometimes. most most of the new ones I'm starting are not ones that someone has already paid me to start. So I guess the the enjoyment in starting new projects is not just you know a financial thing. Um, in fact, sometimes it's the other way around. Like I'll start. I'll, I'll prototype a bunch of ideas with the hope of finding one that is compelling enough to convince someone that they want to pay for an app like that to exist. 
so it's kind of you know it's 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 somewhat connected to but also somewhat disconnected from actually getting income from it yeah i mean i i think i think it comes down to like Givewrapped is like probably the biggest main project and the main project that I work on, and any like I I I'm constantly finding that I have to think about like it's fine to not work on it for a little bit because you know any any opportunity that I could be working on is potentially more money that it could earn, but it's also perfectly fine for me to work on something else that could eventually you know lead to something like that. I I I like I'm constantly doing that even when i'm working on like projects that have already shipped so i guess so i, I mean I, th- I think that's probably plays into like my i don't know unease i wouldn't say hatred of but unease of doing it and i definitely but it's not like i don't do it like i did i started an interview project like you know considering maybe it'll be my next app but that's always when i'm doing like that's the way that i'm doing it. i'm like i'm gonna start a new project because maybe this will be my next app like that's how i start a new project maybe i need to get out of that thinking that's that's clearly like terrible thinking i don't know no, i think it's any you know it's good to have ideas that could be the next big thing Yeah. the so, last um project i did file a new project on was a mac app oh <laughs> i made a mac app the other day very basic one for my own side project it was a mac app to make Working on my side project easier. <laughs> <laughs> I does swear it, it saves time. Does it do the last twenty percent of the of the app so it'll ship? It definitely helps with it. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. I, I I think part of it as well maybe is I'm a lot better at starting like a script. Like you know I'll I'll be like oh I need a bash script to do this and so I'll write a bash script and it'll take me ten hours because I've got to look up everything that I write <laughs> uh, and. Uh, because you know bash is insane as far as it's um, Choose swift yeah i actually tried well i've i've been considering moving to swift with for, for some of the scripts that i've done more recently like i've got my i've got my version script my version handling mm-hmm. script that i've you know been using for a while now i made some updates to that the other day and i think i started a new script for stuff on the server which may or may not necessarily run swift at this point in time I've got a script that sets up a new server now. Cool. So I can like, lo- this is the script that I was running the other day. So I was like, I, okay, so when I, when, I run a ser- when I start up a new server, I tend to want to like have specific things installed and then to be all configured in a specific way. Is this way. going back to you like to be comfortable? Yeah, it is. <laughs> you like to get well, I just like new to- server set up just like the old one. N- new server should be roughly set up like the old one because yeah. I know that, that, that I knew the system works. And yeah. like occasionally I'll change like what I use like, Maybe a year or so ago, I switched from using Apache to um, to Nginx, yep. and uh, so you know, obviously, I changed the way that I work. But that and that kind of had more more changes across the way that you do because you can't use like HT access files and stuff like that. But I like that hasn't changed in a while. And every now and then, I might want to run a new server, so I wrote a script that does like, okay, we'll install Nginx and install um, PHP and install MySQL and, uh, you know, run through the, like, you know, set them up so that their directories are all in a specific space, place and set the permissions. And and I was fine. Like, I just opened up the script and started writing that. I, maybe because I knew what I was writing. I don't know. Writing a new script is not the same as starting a new project. I don't know. Writing new scripts all the time. Yeah, starting, starting a file new project is feels bigger than that. I think because it is. But still, I do it all the time. Fast prototyping. That's what you should do. You should give yourself a time limit of a day to work on your new idea. See if it's good at the end of the day. Yeah, you could try, you could have a week of newness. We actually the, did the week that. of new. 
And just every day for a week, do a new project. And you don't, the, the trick is don't worry, it, it will be throwaway. Like, right. You're just seeing if the idea is good. Yeah, see that, and then you throw it away. You say that you you say that, and immediately my think is my thinking is like, but how will I get paid for that time? <laughs> well, you won't. But hopefully, you'll find something in that week that you're like more confident of working on. Yeah, you know, you've got something in your hand. You push a few buttons. I I I find that most of the time when I'm trying new things, um, so, I mean, I do I do like we talked about this a little bit last week, I think. We we do, I do it a little bit by starting a new project, like you know the the app that I worked on. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I'm starting a new project, so let's try out something. And it, that was reactive, um, reactive X. Um, uh, did you try Swift? Did you try RX? Yeah, yeah, for that project, we talked about this. Oh yeah, we did. And I was like, oh, I don't think it's for me. I ended up deleting it from the project. Remember. I do remember. Um, because I just I I couldn't get a grasp on it, and I was like, oh, this is this is slowing slowing me down. Well, I just was trying to set it up, but I didn't have en- enough understanding of it. And okay, I don't know. I, I tried to use Rx Swift the other day as well. I R- also failed. Rx, yeah, I feel like Rx Swift though. I feel like Rx Swift doesn't have a lot of resources. Like you can no, read. Like, no, the documentation you, to... is pretty bad. Like the learning curve is steep. The documentation is pretty bad, and it kind of piggybacks on Rx itself. And it's, and it's also missing things. Like you failed because the operator you needed didn't exist. In hasn't RX been Swift. done in Rx Swift yet. But it did exist in RxJava. So it is, it's an operator that is real. Right. And I did it in like two seconds yeah. in RxJava. And then yeah. I was like, just do this. But that operator didn't exist. So, so I I got... So Casey Liss loves Rx. I, I enjoyed that episode. I love Rx as well. Yeah, but Swift. RX yeah, I Swift. love Rx Swift too. So he loves Rx Swift and uh, he uses it at work at his in his day job. And um, he actually sent me some stuff that was super helpful oh cool so he should publish that on the internet i told him that he should write a blog post maybe this will convince him to write a blog post yeah do it i would read that um after that was that was so i watched those i think last week i spent the i spent the day watching them um instead of doing anything else that was my kind of like i will start a new no i wasn't no that's good you gotta Um, invest time in that sort of stuff i and i i feel like after that i was like this is i i wish i'd had known this and this and this and this afterwards like like before when i had started because i wrote this crazy code because i felt like i was di- like and i had to dive like into the source code for rx coco which is like the thing that you yeah use you probably don't have to do to. that <laughs> and i was like you know because well, i didn't know where to look like i was yeah. like where am i looking for this stuff and he like he had ex- so wait, wait wait what was do you remember any of those four things so one of the things was um subjects yeah subjects okay. which are observers and observables at the same time yep and so you can set up a subject and then say like, and then kind of poke it when you want it to, to like observe the observers of that to like get that message. Yeah. And it's like a pipe where you control both ends. Yeah. And I didn't, I hadn't like, I understood what an observer was and I understood what an observable was, even though like they're not technically what, like nobody ever talks about them in that terminology. They're all like, so Rx is like a stream and you'd like, there are boats going to the stream. It's like, okay, sure. Whatever. I just like I don't know. Fair enough. I just I I had the I had a lot of the same problems that I had understanding RX that I had when I was trying to study for my um like for my uh my I group think it's of triple you uh, don't really get metaphors. Metaphors <laughs> don't work on you. <laughs> but no, it's, <laughs> I, I, so boats going down a stream. Where is the boat class? <laughs> I, I agree with you though. I think that 
RX has its own vocabulary. Yeah. And the words that have meaning within the world of RX don't necessarily have that same meaning outside the world of RX. And the code, like both un- coming to understand the framework, but also read code that someone has written that's yeah. RX, make, I think is more difficult as a result. Like I totally see the value in the plat- the framework, I guess. Yeah. But I do think there is a, a learning curve. It's not as approachable as sort of imperative code. Which I think is a little problematic from both in terms of learning it yourself for the first time, but also looking at a code base that has been RXified. Yeah. Um, Although, like, I still think it's a lot of it is just to do with you've practiced imperative for yeah. years and years and years. Like, yeah, object yeah. oriented was hard to get your head around at first. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I'm I'm committed to this. You know, to to learning more about RX. Yeah. I mean, I I had I think when I first tried it. So when I tried it in my new project. I had felt like at that point, starting that new project, I was like, yes, I've been working towards this. Gift wrapped, I've been kind of making a few changes to kind of make it a little bit more down, go down that path so that if I ever want to like introduce something like Rx Swift into Gift wrapped, I'd be kind of, I'm kind of feel like I'm halfway there. I kind of feel like I understand the concept. So this is, you know, this is how I've kind of approached it. And then I started working on this, this new project with Rx Swift and I was like, Huh? This is nothing like what I've been like. What I've been like come to understand. I reckon just start with network calls, like your API layer. Just return observables there, and that's it. Don't worry about the UI stuff for now. Oh no, I that's like the gateway drug. So this is the thing, right? Like after having like after having kind of instruction, like here is kind of an overview of how I've put together a view controller. Mm. So much sense. I oh, okay, just, cool. like I was like, oh my god! Like I would, I'd love to go back now and like like reattempt everything that I had tried because now it makes like now it's just like oh click 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 yes this is exactly how I saw it excellent but th- 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 there's none of that out there like there's so little I feel like there's so little and maybe that maybe it is out there but I don't know where it is there's a lot of stuff for the other languages so if you can read if you can understand like even just RX Java stuff at all. Yeah. works the same except for some operators yeah except for when <laughs> that one you wanted was pretty abstract but it was a real thing and yeah it didn't exist in rx swift so i mean i i do start projects like that i'd start projects by you know and and then kind of use it to try new things but i also try new things just in projects that are like in projects that i already have mm-hmm. so one of the things that i've been doing lately is unit testing cool have a, i have a, a library that i use for my apps because I hate onboarding. So I, and I prefer to have like a resource that you can kind of go, well, I have a question, you know, mm. how do I do this? Yeah. Um, why doesn't this work? Which I think is kind of useful. And so I wrote a library rather than writing one for every, you know, projects that I project that I work on or do. I wrote a library that I can just basically drop in a JSON file and it turns it into a user guide. Cool. And I can like deep link to it and stuff. And I had been doing a handful of like minor fixes um, to that library. And I was like, well, you know what? I'd been meaning to try it unit testing. Hmm. This is a lot of like unit testing to me kind of makes sense when you're dealing with like, like the model layer. I still like have no idea how to u- like how to set up my view controller to unit test. Um, but I'm working towards that. And so I was like, well, I'll try, I'll try unit testing. So now I've like written a bunch of unit tests for it. And um well, for the model anyway, not the view controllers because I've still got to figure that one out. <laughs> but that's how I like. That's how I try new things. I'm like, okay, well, you know, this is this is kind of crying out for this, so I'll try it. Hmm. 
but you both just started a new project. Is that like how you? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, I don't tend to change up because I start new projects so often. I may yeah. as well. Yeah, I think with with client work particularly. I mean, once you're into a project, the focus tends to be getting it finished, and then inevitably we'll be starting a new project soon enough. And yeah, I, I think as Ben mentioned earlier, I I love that sense of a new project of being, you know, it's a new beginning. So you are free to bring with you the bits that work from things you did in the past and to make different decisions where things didn't work. Yeah. So it's great to sort of say, you know, to reflect. And we, I think we tend to do that not just in code but also process stuff. Yep. Yeah, so, you know, you get to the end of a project and you think back, okay, well, what in the kind of work we did managing that project, getting that work done, which aspects of it worked really well, uh, which aspects didn't work so well. Mm. And so we've got, I guess, things like um, keeping track of the work that we need to do, feature management. Yep, Git you know. flow. Yep. Well, yeah, how we're managing branches in Git, continuous integration. You know, we've got an evolving process that we kind of carry from one project to the next. And each time we start a new project. It does change just a tiny bit normally. Yep. Just depending on what wasn't working or, yeah, continually, hopefully moves forward. Sometimes it goes backwards, but. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think that's I think that's valid. Like, I I don't necessarily like. I mean, I I struggle. I think I struggle with it, but I don't necessarily like. I, that doesn't make it invalid. So I can totally see the downsides of it as well. Like, um, you know, this. But you can I, take it too far. That's yeah, stuff. Yes, yeah, definitely. And I think maybe sometimes I do. Yeah. But there are times that, you know. I I would like to have an opportunity to continue working on something rather than, I mean, this is one of the potential pitfalls of client work is that, um, I mean, often we're working with people who have engaged us to build apps for them because they don't want to do it themselves. They can't do it themselves. I mean, there are reasons they've got someone else to do it. And often the, the kind of default assumption there is the engagement begins and ends and the app is written and exists and then, People move on. We move on to other projects. Clients move on. Um, but I sometimes feel like it would be nice to work on an evolving software product that continues to improve yeah. over time. And there are certainly clients we do that with. Yep. Um, but do you do this, is, do you do that on any level? Like, do you like maintain like like libraries or even like code that you reuse time and time again? Not really. I guess we've got a a code base as we say that we move from project to project and draw upon but it's not a sort of separate repository external and it's more like ad hockey it's yeah. not really a yeah yeah it's yeah. not like a, i wouldn't even call it a library hmm. it's a pile of sh- snippets basically yeah yeah and i mean there's the process so like sugar like you know yeah. syntactic sugar or whatever a few yeah, functions okay. and um and there's definitely like the app architecture stuff like you can't that's not something you copy paste right it's like the thinking that tends to stay yeah. relatively the same. We normally mm. tweak it a little bit, but you need to write a script to set that up. Oh, I know. We've thought about that many times. I even gave it a go once. It kind of yeah. worked, but yeah. The so I discovered the other day. I, I've never actually used this because I've never actually like. Um, I've just I've just always like when I create a new library because I'm like I, you know, I think you know. I'm going to take this code that I've written for this app and then kind of make it kind of generic and use it in other apps. Mm. Um, I always just like grab the last um, library that I created and just kind of delete everything and then just kind of reset everything up and make sure everything's renamed correctly and stuff. 
Um, the other day I discovered that CocoaPods has a built-in thing where you can like init a new library, like a new pod, and it will set up all of yeah. the project for you. Like as in when you were making your own pod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they have like a whole, like they have a script that runs, that sets up like the Xcode project and all the f- startup files and the file, you know, maybe I need that. <laughs> I don't create that many libraries. Yeah, because I really want ours, like there's so many steps to a new project. Yeah. If you include like the, you want it to post to Slack when you push a commit and you want the the server to build it and you want it to go after hockey. And... Do you have like Git hooks and stuff? Yeah. Ah, oh, I've never had much luck with Git hooks, like the local ones. Yeah. We definitely have ones that like web, web hooks. hooks. We yeah. use a lot of web hooks, but Git local Git hooks I've never had much luck with. They just seem to break all the time. I tried one for um don't commit. Hmm. Sometimes, you know, you write something that's, it's like you've shortcutted the whole thing because you're just trying to test yep. something. And I tried one for ages where it was like, if there words no commit, like just together I've seen in that. the like, code, yeah. like the would, mark or the or yeah, the to do, like, like no commit. Yep, it wouldn't let you commit, and it just kept breaking. And I don't understand why, because that's so simple. Mm. But half the time it just didn't work. So, and half the time it would say it's there, and it's like it's not there. It's probably because it was a bash script, and it was like you, you yeah. had you had the wrong number of like square brackets or something. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, knows? I was I was running a bash script the other day, and I just I was kind of writing through it, and I'm like. Why? Why is this not allowing me to like compare strings with each other? Like I can't compare strings with each other, and it turned out that instead of up the top, you know how some how you write like up the top, you have like um, yeah your hash shell, and then you, the you tell the hash bang, cool. yeah, you yeah, have the wrong shell specific to s- specify the shell. I had just written sh instead of bash. Well, that's a different shell. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That that that's that was the problem, and I I like it, it took me so long to figure like to right, figure out why okay. it was. I'm like. Why is this happening? I have to write like I've, I'm doing all these like things that I've done before and borrowing them from other scripts that I've written. And, yeah, we wrote our own one at uni. Your own shell. Your own yeah. shell. It wouldn't have been able to compare strings. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Well, if you, the if the C string comparing library that you wrote, like you yep. know, in your back back a while that's back, just, that is an early episode. That this like episode. I think that's like the first episode that you were on. Mm-hmm. Episode seven, I think. You guys are getting so nostalgic. So nostalgic. So cute. Well, it's you know, it's the it's the end, Jake. It is, which is why I'm talking about why I wanted to talk about first. All oh, right, that's deep. Yeah. <laughs> well, because the whole thing is like we we've been talking about how, like you know, when we've mentioned that the show is ending, um, part of the reason that it's ending is because you know we want to make sure that we want to make time for new things, and hmm. um, you know, mobile couch takes takes a lot of time, you know, both in preparing for an episode. I mean, somehow Ben manages to get his episodes prepped for between like seven and eight in the morning of the recording. I don't they know. Come out pretty good. I don't as well. know. <laughs> Some of them. They're, came they're out. always like, they're always episodes that are like, wow, that was amazing. <laughs> we get so many comments, and it's just yeah. like, I'm like, I, I spent like five hours working on my topic, and nobody liked it. Uh, I've been meaning to say I've been really enjoying the show since I left. It's <laughs> def- definitely got markedly better. <laughs> I don't think it's because you left. It's just because we started <laughs> we changed, planning. We changed our approach to the show just before you left. Yeah. And then you left. Yeah. We went Th- from also, accidental you know. to dental. That's <laughs> <laughs> the opposite of accidental. <laughs> On purpose. Yes. But that doesn't sound as cool. Intentional. Preparation. Intentional. Intentional. Yeah. None of them sound good. And, uh, you know, we want, but we wanted to try, like, we're, we're both going on to try new things. And I think that's the whole thing of, like, you know, we're, we're going to, File new project on something that we had, like that we're going to do next. 
I'm actually hoping to finish That's something. <laughs> <laughs> well, this you're technically already doing it, right? Yeah. This is the last one. Yeah. Yeah. No, I. Yeah. But I think I think like starting new things is is kind of important and. That's kind of what we're doing. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about that and talk a bit about that, how that kind of affects our work. Because I think you have to try new things. Like I think even if you're like me and you just prefer to be in the comfort of your project that you know is going to do well and everybody's, you know, everybody's going to probably like it and you might get yelled at, but people will still like it. Is this a metaphor? No. Yeah. Okay. I don't think this that's is, a metaphor. No. no, this is just how, how it is. Um, I think I'm the opposite. I actually like that old, I don't think Facebook use it anymore, but the move fast and break things, kind of, that was their mantra mm. when they first started up. I think I like that. I I hate doing something because that's the way it's done. Like, I hate that with a passion. Even if it's correct. If it's correct, I'll find out and go like, cool, that's there for a reason. Yeah. But just when people tell you that you got to do this because that's just the way it's always been done, it's just like really... So- don't don't get me, me don't get me wrong i'm not like i don't i don't think i'm stagnant like mm. m- like getting being in my comfort zone doesn't necessarily mean i'm stagnant and sometimes i'll be in my comfort zone and i'll try different things within that comfort zone like i, I was saying before like how i've been trying to like move towards like a reactive type process with gift wrapped is a big enough project now where i feel like it's a big enough project that i kind of have to take it in kind of like pieces because yeah. otherwise otherwise i can't just i just like i'll never ship anything you know because i get stuck on this whole i like on this whole like well i've got to finish it and now it's going to take forever i've been like working on this for a year and it hasn't been like completed yet i mean gift wrapped has been running for not even as long as this show and over the course of the time that we've been doing this show and i've been doing gift wrapped my approach to gift wrapped has changed and modified mostly based on what we've discussed mm. like, see that's why i love new projects yeah i was just gonna say that you should start a new project gift wrapped its code base would have some code that reflects the the latest things that your your latest approach but you'd also have a whole heap of code there that reflects your earliest approach whereas your new project will start from a blank canvas and it can all reflect your new approach if that's what you want yeah but i like i like the idea that my big project is always going to be moving forwards Mm. and like i'm not going to come back to it one day and be like oh my god this code base is just horrifying i need to rewrite it all um which i would totally do see uh, i I think i'm the other extreme i could totally uh, going back to metaphors (laughs) i could (laughs) totally imagine myself in a scenario where i'm like this house is a mess these kitchens this kitchen is just a nightmare the dishes are like out of control. All right, time for a new house. So, what, <laughs> so what you do is you hire a cleaner, Jake. No, <laughs> no, you hire start a again with a... <laughs> Right, you hire destruction, a, de- a demolition crew. Yep, I can see that. Yeah, take it too far. I, yeah, I, 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 I like the idea that like gift wrapped. I mean, I actually can't quite like the concept that gift wrapped has kind of changed and evolved as hmm. the, as the show has kind of continued because I've, I've definitely 100% learnt new things uh, during the course of this show. Also partially kind of separate to the show. And then I brought to the show, hmm. like I, I didn't understand big O until very recently, like my, the interview process that I went through. And have you actually used big O in 
I think it's changed. It not I, I haven't sat down and gone, well, yes, this is the bigger time of whatever function that I just wrote. But it's it's definitely kind of helped me cement the idea that I've always had of like, well, you know, you can do this in a more kind of yeah. So I guess you some more data structures, way. data structure knowledge. Well, as I well. mean, I mean, recently. So before before the I had sat down to to study for that for the Gubook Triple interview. Before I had sat down to do that, I had been working on a JavaScript project with for for a for a client, and there had, there was a problem where have you ever had it in like in mobile Safari where it just like it goes the page that you were viewing has crashed um, and so it was refreshed. Yes. So it was doing that, and it was because so it was a mapping application which I'm really good at doing stuff for for whatever reason. Well, because I spent years working on mapping applications. Um, and the reason was because the pins, the way that they had written set, to set up all the pins that they had, and they had thousands of pins uh, on this map. And the rate, way that they had written them was that each pin had a specific, like had an image to show like a different, like number of how many things. And they had like, every time that they would load a new pin, they would go through a, like a, um, to figure out like which image that it had. And so they would do all these looping like for thousands of pins in like what's supposed to be like hand, like milliseconds. Mm. And so I had written, like I, I, I kind of looked into their code and read their code and went, okay, well, this is the biggest problem. So I'm going to pull that out and I'm going to do like, I'm going to change the way that's done. I'm going to pre-prepare all the assets so that you can just basically go number and then it just hits an array and um, pulls out the, you know, yeah. pulls out the thing at that index. Oh, one. Yep. <laughs> and I didn't know that at the time. Like I didn't know Big O at the time, but it was something that I had already kind of like I knew, but it clicked for me because I understood yeah. it. And um, and I was like, wow, this is a. And it's like you were talking about the other day with Pragmatic Programmer. Yeah, where it's just like you know, if you read that book, you will probably find things that you've like you've already learned over the course of your career. Great episode, by the way. Loved it. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> prepared in an hour. Been prepared in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> this is my chance as a fan of the show to get here and sit with the hosts. I'm like, this is so cool. And it's the same thing where it's like I've uh, I've learned some of the things that I've learned based on you know the th- like what we've talked about, what we've talked about have been things that I've kind of learned over time, and just kind of now they click and I understand that they're actually part of they're like part of computer science, and I don't really have this big um, yeah big thing. That, that, I actually think that about the those two episodes about the sort mm. of questions you might get in. Formal interviews and the pragmatic programmer are really interesting because this issue of performance of code, like I did study computer science. I learned about big O notation and then promptly forgot most of it um, and don't often think about it. But I totally do sometimes come across performance issues. But it's generally, I generally just write a naive implementation of I will write whatever code occurs to me first that works. And only if I ever come across the fact that Oh, hang on! This is taking way too long. Well, I then go back and look at it and go, "Why? Oh, it's taking way too long because I'm doing something that's much more, much less efficient than it could be, and I try to come up with a more efficient alternative." And I think that's the pragmatic bit coming yeah. in. And I also think you like the naive version that spews out of your head gets better over time. Yeah. So, like when you first start, you're you're like spewing out quadruple nested loops and stuff, and by the end, the one that you just think up. Is it already halfway too efficient? Yeah. Yeah. I also kind of think that the efficiency is both how quickly does the code get written and come together as well as how well 
does it run? Yeah, that's what I mean. But it comes out just as fast. Yeah, that's important. So it comes out just as fast and it's already more efficient than... Like you just know to use a a hash map instead of an array here Mm. because like obviously, but when you started, that wasn't obvious. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here every day thinking about like big O. <laughs> just I'm going. just not like, and I mean, it's only been about like so. It was. It's not even six months, right? Since I since yeah. I started prepping for that for that interview, and you ended up internalized having internalized some of it. But some of it has internalized, and I'm not. So I'm not sitting here going, hmm, big O, hmm, hmm, big O. I, I'm with you all the, all, also in some of the cynicism but it's of helped. the questions, right? Like I would much rather a question be. You've come across an app that displays pins on a map and it's taking ages to run. See if you can figure out why. Rather than can you describe the big O, you know, using big O notation, the complexity of this algorithm. It's like, I think one of them is a more real world problem of, you know, you do sometimes encounter inefficient code and you've got to try and figure out what's inefficient. And then one of them is a very sort of academic. But it's it's asking about the same thing is can yeah. you, can you reflect on how complex code is, how long it's going to take to run and come up with a way of making it more efficient. It's kind of it's kind of nice to know that like I had already learned some of this stuff. I understood it, but mm. I didn't like I didn't really like understand. And now you can sound real fancy. Now I can sound real fancy. Well, <laughs> well I can, here's I, your problem. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. and cute, I, you're mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm totally gonna I'm totally gonna start writing that in like quotes. Like, <laughs> what? What are you doing? You crazy people. This is <laughs> O N times N times squared N. <laughs> that was. O N factorial. O N times N. That's N to the four. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> gotcha back. Ah, <laughs> uh, good times. N factorial. Could you come up? Could you come up with an algorithm that, that was like N factorial? Great challenge. Uh, no, I don't think I could. It would probably simplify out actually, big O, because it that would be a, an array that was getting bigger as you wrote into it, right? So every loop it was one bigger. That would be N factorial efficiency so you'd have to write an algorithm to do that and i think technically that would just cancel out in big o because you don't tend to worry about the size of n increasing yeah anyway well it's not about the size (laughs) it's not about the size of n it's It's about what you're doing (laughs) (laughs) so how long have we been doing this when was the first episode first episode launched on february 4th roughly so coming February fourth would be four years. I think fourth. Wow. Wow. That's, that's a, a long time. That's a long time. February fifth. Sorry. And that will be four years? February fifth will be four years. That means I've lived in Canberra longer than I thought. Well, I mean bit was in London, but I'm counting it. And you started episode s- Where it was seven. Seven? Yeah. Well that's the episode I w- C string library? Yeah, I wrote my own C string library. I did. Mm. You did. What was it for again? It was to solve letterpress faster because it was too slow. Yep. <laughs> I feel like I've come a long way in four years, which is good because you want yeah, you same. want that. I have two. I now uh, can't write objective. I haven't. You're exactly the same person you were four four years ago. Uh, episode. I'm, what, I'm, what episode I'm more tired. It? Episode two. Episode two was I love storyboards. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm definitely, I remember on one episode. I was so naive. <laughs> <laughs> Dewey yes, eyed. Yes, you were. Those storyboards. I, I still I still cannot cannot use storyboards. Now I, I love hate storyboards. I, I have one 
project that has storyboards in them. And it's open source, so there's that. I remember one episode I I asked, well, I said, I don't get what map is. And now I map everything. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't understand it. I, I definitely understood, didn't I, understand I what flat map right was. I've, I, I remember asking you on an episode what flat map was. Yep, I remember that. And episode. it wasn't that long ago. No. And now I'm like, no one gets flat map. Flat map everything. <laughs> yeah, <Just> true. <laughs> what is flat map? It unwraps. Optionals. Well, optionals or arrays. It unboxes. Oh. It unwraps containers. Right. Got it. I think. Just imagine an array of arrays. Yeah. Yep. Flat mapper, you get one array. Okay. Puts them Got all it. together. Yeah. So an array of arrays of integers. Yep. Flat map. And you would you get, get an, an array, array of, of integers. integers. Yep. Um, or if you have an array of optionals, you'll get an array of Because optionals are almost like arrays with one item. Or it's one like or no, right? Yeah. Yeah, got it. Sometimes I get, in Swift, I get optional optionals. Do you ever yeah. get that? It's a thing. Weirds me out. It is. It's probably JSON. Bloody what? JSON. Oh, that's that's <laughs> the new thing I want to try in my file new project. Is I want to try Protobuf. Protobuf, yeah. <laughs> protobuf. What is Protobuf? Protocol buffer. It's a new Google serialization format. For data instead of JSON, instead of serializing to JSON and sending JSON back and forth and deserializing and serializing everywhere, a protocol buffer is just a binary format for sending right. data. Right. And it's and strongly typed. It is strongly typed, and they've got tools to auto generate the code to. Including in Swift, right? Yeah. So Swift. the first Swift plugin, whatever that means, still not sure I get what that means, is support for protobuf. Swift has plugins? One, protobuf. Yeah, in the language, <laughs> the language itself, right? So Swift yeah. 3 has support for protobufs. Anyway, that's why I want to try it. It's, it. it's new. What it is. I just want to try it on something. Yeah. I think right. I've thought of a good project to try it on. I think the idea is anything that is currently JSON would be better as protobuf. Potentially. Okay, cool. Yeah. I haven't looked into it much. But you're going to have to write JSON parsing for a little while longer. Yeah. Yes. And that's where you get your optional optionals that may be optional. I think it was an optional option set of that that was optional optionals. But I just write the... It's like double point or like pointers to pointers and C if you yeah. ever did that. I, I just write... Those were fun. I just write myself a model and of whatever is in the JSON and just kind of use that to parse it down. Yeah, but then yeah. what happens is that that uh, variable or property you have in your model sometimes is there and sometimes it's not. And yeah, but you think it's there, so I you make that. it strong. And then it's like, oh, it turns out in this one spot, in this one part of the API, it's not there. I'll have to make it optional. So the library that I've been working on, actually, the user guide parses mm-hmm. JSON. And it, like, I just wrote a model and it, I just presumed all default, like defaults for pretty much everything. And um, in certain cases, you won't get, like, if you have an article that doesn't have a title or a body, then that makes sense that you won't have an article because it doesn't have any content. So you just kind of like, yeah. It just returns yeah. for that or whatever. A really good approach for dealing with that situation you described, Ben, mm. where certain cases don't have the thing, um, is you can use enumerations. Yeah. And have different cases and your different case they all have like let not variables, but lets instead of variables. Mm-hmm. Um, I just use my question marks. Yeah, but then the you gotta deal with the question marks are annoying, like on purpose. So if you've got an optional, now you have to deal with it. Yeah, no, 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 not the question, not optional, but the question, the double question mark. So I uh, provide the default coalescing yeah. operator. Yeah, that's what it's called. I, know, I couldn't think of anything except still got to 
you still got to do it. It's like uh, optionals are awesome. I love optionals, but they're annoying on purpose. Yeah. And if you can avoid having them all together, that's nice. But it always falls apart when you're dealing with JSON. So that's getting back. That's what Protobuf hopefully fixes. Maybe. Mm. I don't know enough about it, but that's what I hope it fixes. If you would like to read about any of the stuff that we've talked about today, uh, or if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do that from our website, uh, which is... Is that still true though, Jelly? Will there be someone at mobilecouch.co to receive the communications? Yeah, I'm not going to delete the Twitter. Like, I even I still look at the uh, I still look at the the topical. Okay, good Twitter stuff. What Excellent. about the app.net stuff? Oh, it's I've, still in the show notes. I just yeah, got no, I just I, got billed for my app.net subscription. Are you serious? I am serious. Oh and I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm sure I cancelled that. Yeah, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't looked at app.net. Not for a long time. That sucks. You're going to be the only one on there. <laughs> I don't think I'm on there. Remember and what? then they're all going to be sitting in the office and your payment's going to come through and they're all they're just going, going to... Woo! <laughs> 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 yes, can... we get to get paid like one cent this month. I don't check out it, But I do check the Twitter. That's good. I, I look at the Twitter. I'll, I'll still read the emails too. So you can email us at hello at mobile couch and Ben will ignore you because oh, he's done. Him. No, I'll read the emails. When does the domain expire? It'll never expire. I'll keep it. Whoa. I still have all of mine. That is a big call. It's it's just a domain. Hello, listeners from 2080. (laughs) (laughs) I own domains that I've not, like, looked at, like, that I've not bothered bothered to use for it, like, for years. Are .co domains expensive? .co is, like, 15 bucks, I think, a year. Yeah, it's not, it's nothing. Like, and the way that Hover works, it's just, like, I just don't even notice it getting paid for. That's dangerous, but cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like my app well, I get it. subscription. Yeah. <laughs> which I noticed too late. So it Hello sounds... at Mobile Couch is our email address. You can get in touch with us individually on Twitter. Ben is Ben Trengrove. That's B-E-N-T-R-E-N-G-R-O-V-E. Jake is J McMullen. That's J-M-A-C-M-U-L-L-I-N. And I am Jelly Bean Soup. Thank you for listening. It has been an honor and a privilege and i mean both of those things from the bottom of my heart it's been amazing um to do a show for so long and uh have people that love it and talk to us and yeah it turns um, out people actually listen yeah i've been listening i like i'm sitting here as a listener right now going i know exactly well everyone's (laughs) feeling it's just really sad (laughs) Thank you for letting me back on for this momentous occasion. Our pleasure. We won't be back in two more weeks' time, but I'm sure that we will be back, you know, individually and or whatever in some other way. So until then, goodbye. Bye. Bye.